we're moving along with peace, <clears throat> and uh, we talked tonight out of First Thessalonians, <clears throat> may the God of peace sanctify you or set you aside for a special purpose, and we'll look at that tonight. So we go to First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, some very short verses tonight, uh, several of them, but we start in chapter 5, verse 16. This one says to be joyful most of the time, and so God is, oh, sometimes, yeah, that's right, oh, always. A command from God. This is a command. It's in the imperative form, and so it's a command from God. God is commanding us, be joyful always. And you say, really, God? You need to follow me around about a day or two, and you want me to do this? Right, God. Sure enough, it's a command. And so if we don't do this, then we're disobeying God's command. And so he says to be joyful always, but maybe we need to understand the word joyful. Maybe that'll help us do it. The word joyful doesn't get any better, does it? It means to rejoice. It means to be glad, always, all the time. It means a place of happiness and well-being. It's a place in life. It's not where we are, you know, like in this building or at home or at school. It's not that kind of place. It's a place in our life. It's a place where we have happiness and well-being, and that's to be joyful, and it's to be done always. How often is always? At all times on every occasion. At all times on every occasion. Whatever happens, whatever's going on, whether we're on the side of the road stranded or we're uh, you know, watching TV or just taking it easy or in church or whatever it may be, every occasion, whatever that is, means at all times and every occasion we're to be rejoicing in it. We're to be glad. We're to, have a, we're to be in a place of happiness and well-being at all times. And so God knows our emotions. He knows our emotions. He knows what we're feeling. He knows what we're thinking. He knows how we're acting in our attitude. And so He knows us well enough that we'll not always rejoice over certain circumstances. There's things in our life that God knows based on our emotions that we're not going to rejoice over that. That hurt. I'm not rejoicing right now. That's difficult. I'm not glad about that. That's hard. I don't want to rejoice about that. I'm not glad. I'm not happy right now. And he knows our emotions. And so he says, I got to do something about that. So I'm going to give you a command. I'm going to command you to not let your emotions dictate your rejoicing but let your heart and your relationship with me dictate your rejoicing, not over your circumstances. So it gives us that command to rejoice at all times on every occasion. He commands us to do that. So we understand by now, looking at the word peace, that our joy does not come from our circumstances. Because sometimes everything's going good. We have some good occasions, we have some, some good circumstances, things are good in finances and work and home and school and relationships and all this. Boy, it's just going great. Our circumstances are good. I'm rejoicing in that. And God knows that sometimes our circumstances are down here. They're not so good, not so happy-go-lucky about it. So He knows our joy does not come from our circumstances, but it comes from our blessings that are God, that are ours because we are in Christ. If we are in Christ, we're born again, we're saved, Holy Spirit lives in us, we're in Christ, He knows our joy comes from Him in that relationship with Him, not based on what's going on around us. Because if it did, we'd be up one moment, then we'd be down one moment. We're up and down. We're just moving through life on a roller coaster, and sometimes we see that, don't we? Don't we even use that term? Hey, you've been with me today. You've seen a roller coaster. You've been with me this week. You've seen a roller coaster. You know, those kind of things we go through and we say that. Well, God says, I know, and I don't want you on a roller coaster. That's why I want you to know that 
Joy doesn't come from your circumstances. It comes from the blessings that I give you, he says, when we are in Christ. So if we remain in a place of depression and sadness and I'm down, I'm out, I'm upset, I'm disturbed, I'm distraught, then we're simply breaking a commandment from God and don't trust Him. We're simply saying, God, I know your command, but I'm not going to do it. I'm upset. I'm mad. I'm depressed. I'm sad. And I have a right to be, and I'm going to stay here as long as I want to until I get over it. And then I'll get joy again. God says, when you do that, you're disobeying a command from me. And if we disobey a command of God, what word does it use in the Bible to describe a disobedience to God? Sin. It's the only word he can say. A three-letter word, sin. If we're disobeying any command of God, and there's, there's quite a few. I'm not sure how many there are, but there's few. Uh, we're sinning. And so when we're allowing our circumstances to dictate our depression, our sadness, our happiness, our joy, then we're simply breaking the command of God and we're not trusting Him. God, you let something happen in my life I'm not happy about right now. You let something come into my life that I'm not pleased with right now. And I'm upset, I'm distraught, I'm sad, I'm, I'm angry, I'm whatever. I sure don't have any joy right now. We're saying, I don't trust you. Because you let something come into my life that brought me down, got me upset. And so we're in that place in life that we're not being joyful always, so we're being disobedient to God. So He gives us a command, be joyful always. But then He goes on to say in the next verse, two words again, pray continually. Pray continually. And so how do we do that? Wait, i got to work. i got to go to school. i got to sleep. I, you know, I've got to do all these things. How can I pray continually? Well, let's look at these words. The word pray simply means have a conversation with God. We can debate and talk about, well, the Scripture says this, Scripture says that about prayer. What is prayer? How do you define prayer? Let's talk about prayer, what it means, what it is. And we get all kind of thoughts and ways to we talk about prayer and what it really means. But bottom line, prayer is simply this. It's a conversation with God. The end of conversation, you have conversations all the time, don't you? I mean, husbands and wives have conversations. I guess sometimes, most, most of you do. Sometimes, okay, Gerald, sometimes. He has a conversation with his wife. A conversation is like this. One person, and I won't pick on husbands and wives, because then I'll be picking on me, so I won't do that tonight. Some, you have a conversation with somebody. That means you're talking, you're telling them about your day, about this event, about something happened. You're telling them about what you saw on TV, or you know, whatever. You're, you're having a conversation, you're telling the other person about something. And that other person's standing here, and they're just listening. They're, they're hearing you, and you're telling me about that, and I'm just listening to you. And then when you get through, you're, you're through with your thoughts, you're saying, they were listening, and now they begin to talk back. And they say, well, here's what you know, I feel about this and that and the other. And, and you're now standing there listening to them, aren't you? Right? One, one talks and one listens, and the other talks and the other one, not necessarily, huh? A conversation goes both ways. One talks, one listens, that one talks, this one listens, and we'll go back and forth, have a conversation. That's all that prayer is. But here's the funny thing about prayer. Often we talk to God, give Him, here's my list of things to do today, God. You know, here's my list. Got it, God? Okay, thank you. I'm on my way. And we leave. And we stop the conversation right there. And we don't stop and know that verse about 
Be still and know that I am God, isn't it? 4610, Psalm. So here we are reporting to God. Here's my conversation to you, God. Here's my stuff. Here's all my burdens, my problems. Uh, I'm not happy about this and I'm not happy about that. I want you to do this, that, and the other. I already got it out. I'm done. I'm on my way. Do we sit there and just be still? Okay, God, I said what I wanted to say to you now. What do you have to say to me? Are we waiting for Him to have the conversation with us too? That's what prayer is. And so that's why it says pray continually. Meaning continually is what? Without ceasing. Without intermission. Intermission. You know, kind of like halftime of the ball game. Kind of like halftime. I mean, intermission of a long movie. Remember those long movies? They don't have a lot of them anymore. I remember probably about the... I don't know, the 11th grade or junior in high school. First date, I took a girl to go see Dr. Shivago. I know, it is funny. If you've ever seen Dr. Shivago, the movie, if you read the book, it's about 952 pages. Well, the movie's about that long too. And so it had an intermission, thankfully, because I asked her, I said, do you want to go? She said, yeah. <laughs> I said, let's go. I mean, why would you do that? Why would you take, why would a guy take a girl to, on a first date to Dr. Shivago at the movie theater? I don't know. It wasn't good. I don't think that was, had a second date, I don't think. Anyway, that was irrelevant to this whole story tonight. Without intermission. <laughs> that was the whole point, wasn't it? Got off the track, didn't I? Uh, so continually means without intermission. Dr. Shivago should have just gone straight on through. And then we'd have been just, you know, ready to kill ourselves at the end of the movie without the intermission. We wouldn't have had a chance to leave. But it's continuous activity. That's what prayer is. So prayer is having this conversation with God without ceasing, without an intermission. God, hold on. I need to go do something else. Just wait right there. Don't talk yet. I had enough to say. Let me go eat. Let me come back. Let me go get something to drink. Let me go do something else. It's continuous activity. So therefore, continual prayer it's prayer that continues whenever possible. Sometimes you got to focus on your work at work, don't you? Sometimes you got to focus on who you're listening to, a person. You're talking to somebody on the phone and you're texting or emailing or having a conversation with somebody or, you know, whatever it is, you're focused on that task at hand. But whenever possible, I'm in this thing about prayer. It's continual. It's without ceasing, without intermission. It's without. It's a continuous activity. It's not like I set aside Monday morning at 7 o'clock. I'm through. I'm done. No more praying the rest of the day. I'll pick it back up in the morning at 7 o'clock. It's not that. It's continual without intermission throughout the day whenever possible. So it gives us that command too then. But he goes on to say in verse 18, he says another command, this third command uh, that he's given us here, be joyful, pray, but he also says to give thanks in all circumstances, third commandment right here in this third verse, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He says it's my will for you to give thanks. And there's that word all. Don't you just not like that word in the Bible? Couldn't he put sometimes, some things, most, a little bit, you know, something else? Why put all, God? Because it's his will for us to give thanks in all circumstances. Because see, he says we're commanded... To give thanks in all circumstances. In. Not for. There's a difference. But to give thanks in 
That is meaning during every circumstance of life. We didn't like it. We didn't ask for it. We didn't want it. That podium just fell right over and skinned our knee, tore it all up. We're not thanking God for that happening to us. We're giving thanks to Him during while that's happening to us. As we're going through the blood running down our leg, as we're cleaning it up, as we're putting on bandages, fixing it, taking care of it, we're giving thanks during those times, during those circumstances. We didn't like it. We didn't ask for it. We didn't want it. But it's happening. It did happen. What do we do? Give thanks in those circumstances, during those times in life. Not wait till afterward, later, when it's all over, everything's fine, everything's settled. Boy, I got through that. I'm all healed from that. God finally healed me and took care of this and took care of that. I'm through it. Now I can look back and now I can say, thank you, God, for bringing me through that. He says, no, no. (laughs) During it, during the whole bad, terrible, awful situation we didn't ask for, we didn't want, be thankful during those circumstances in life, not afterwards, but during it. So to give thanks in or during every circumstance is simply God's will. (laughs) That's what he said there in verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, during circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. While you're born again, while you're saved, in Christ, serving Him, give thanks, because that's His will. That's what He wants us to do. His will simply means this is what I want you to do. Have you ever heard and known God's will for you and said, no, thank you? I mean, you were here last Sunday, so you heard me say that, didn't you? (laughs) God said, my will for you is to be a pastor. And I said, no, thank you. My will for me is to be a coach and a teacher. But my will for you is to be a pastor. No, thank you, God. You know how we did all that. That was last week, so I don't even want to think about it now. God's will... Means joy, prayer, and thanksgiving when we're in Christ Jesus. That's His will. That's what He wants us to have joy always, pray always, thanksgiving in all circumstances. That is His will for our life. Do we want His will done in our life? You know, how many times do you close your prayer? God, your will be done. God, here's my list of all the things I want. But God, your will be done. We close in prayer so many times like that, don't we? Do we close our prayer saying, your will be done by giving me joy, by, by me being joyful, prayerful, and thankful in all circumstances? I know that's your will for me. I know that's your command for me. I'm going to do what you want me to do, so I'm going to be joyful, prayerful, and thankful at all times, God, as I'm in Christ Jesus. Are we there? Do we do that? But it goes on from there, three commands. Then he gives another one. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Uh, don't do it. If you're doing it, he said, you better quit, stop, don't. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. The Holy Spirit working can be opposed by us. You know, if the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in our life, and we know it, we sense it, we feel it, we understand it, God's trying to do something in me, the Holy Spirit's saying this, Holy Spirit's speaking to me about that. How many times do we say that term? Well, the Holy Spirit led me, you know, Holy Spirit's leading me to, you know, the Holy Spirit's talking to me about, you know, we use that term and quite often in our life when the Holy Spirit's dealing with us. But you know we can oppose the Holy Spirit? I've done it. You heard me last week, didn't you? (laughs) We know what the Holy Spirit wants. We know what He's telling us. And we're saying, no, sir, I'm not going to do it. I know what you want. I know what you're telling me. I've been reading in your Word. Uh, uh, Get confirmation (coughs) with your Word uh, through prayer. I know what you're saying to me. I get it, but no, I'm not going to do that. Because I've already made my mind up. Here's what I'm going to do. 
And I'm going to follow what I want to do. And, and next week, again, uh, I've already led to it last week. We're, we're going to talk about two terms. Chasing your dreams and following your heart. And neither one of those two terms is in God's Word. If we're going about our life chasing dreams and following our heart, God says stop. And, and we're going to look at that next week. You said, really? I don't know. I've always heard those two terms, and I heard they were what we, what we ought to do. Well, I'm going to show you that Jesus said, mm-mm, don't. <laughs> and so we'll get to that next week. Sorry. Preview. Um, a wink, wink put out... Holy Spirit's fire can be diminished if we continually oppose Him. Holy Spirit spoke to us maybe yesterday morning. Not today, God. Maybe tomorrow. So He spoke again this morning. Not today, God. Maybe tomorrow. So in the morning, He speaks again. Speaks again. We're denying, denying, putting it off, putting it off. It just gets less and less, doesn't it? The longer we oppose the Holy Spirit, no, 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 the less we hear the Holy Spirit. I mean, you were here last week. That was me. And so maybe you've been there too. Maybe you are there. The more we oppose the Holy Spirit, the more His Spirit, the fire diminishes. Because we can look back in our life sometimes and say, I used to be so on fire for the Lord, just wanted to worship Him and praise Him and thank Him and serve Him and do all these things for Him. I'm just so on fire for Him and I don't feel that fire anymore. Why not? could be right here. We have just continually opposed Him so much and so long that the fire just diminishes in our life. So He says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Don't oppose Him and it won't happen. Then He says something else. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Uh, two words for prophecy in, in the New Testament in our era in life. Prophecy is the fourth telling of God's Word. In the Old Testament, we read about the foretelling, F-O-R-E, T-E-L-L-I-N-G. It's kind of like Dreer a while ago. You know, Dreer had to rhyme with near. Well, there's foretelling, looking into the future, foretelling the future. That was Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, you know, those Old Testament prophets. Here's what's going to come in the future. Foretelling is taking what's already been said and saying then, here's what God says. I'm foretelling. I'm already telling you what's already been written, what God has already said. And I'm forth-telling it. And so that's prophecy of what we do today. Uh, anytime you share Scripture with somebody, you're being a prophet. You're simply forth-telling what God has said to somebody else, not your opinion, not your thoughts, but what God says in His Word. You quote Scripture, you refer to Scripture, however you do it. You're being a prophet. You're forth-telling God's Word. So he says, uh, don't treat prophecies, the forth-telling, with contempt, Prophecy is foretelling. So to treat its word with contempt is to despise it. So when you share God's word with somebody, you're foretelling, you're prophesying what God's already said, and they despise that. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear what God to say about God and His word. I despise that. I'm not going to do that. So to treat His word with contempt is to despise it, or to consider it worthless and of no value. That's got no value to me. That's worthless to me. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to accept that. That's what he's saying then. Don't treat prophecies with contempt, meaning don't reject it, don't consider it as worthless, of no value, and despise it. He says don't do that. So again, going on. Uh, verse 21. So he says, test everything. Hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. 
Three, you want to put these three together because they go hand in hand. We need to test what we hear and read. We need to test what we hear and read with the Word of God and determine if it's genuine. Sometimes, well, not sometimes, there's a lot of books out there, a lot of good books that you could read and say, boy, that's some good advice, that's some good word. But, you know, sometimes books written by authors out there in the world can mislead us. Maybe you've come across some of those, and you begin to realize that, why am I reading this? This is misleading to me. This is not, this isn't truth. And so what we have to make sure we do, test everything, we have to test that book that we're reading, written by that author somewhere out in the world, with God's Word and see if it compares with it, see if it goes hand in hand with it. Is what they say in this book agreeing with God's Word? Wait, I found it doesn't because this verse says this and they're saying this and that's not agreeing with this and I need to quit reading that because it's not agreeing with God's Word. It's misleading me. It's, it's, uh, I'm misunderstanding what God wants because of what they say in this book and so I'm just going to fold that book up, put it on the shelf or, or do something with it. And so we need to test what we hear and read with the Word of God, see if it's genuine, see if it's real. Do we do that? Do we look at things in this world and test it and say, I saw this and I heard that, I watched this and watched that? Is it lining up with God's Word? Does it agree with God's Word or is it not? And we have to test those things. He said to do that. Test it. Uh, that's our responsibility. Somebody can't show us that. Somebody can't reveal that to us because then what about the person revealing it to us? Are we testing them? Because somebody takes that book and says, hey, it's good stuff, it's real, it's genuine, I've read it, it's good stuff, you need to go ahead and read it. Well, wait a minute, now I need to test you. Because <laughs> I'm not sure you're telling me right either. And so we have to test everything, that's our responsibility. Nobody can tell us about what's good or right or wrong. And then if it passes the authenticity test, hang on to it. If that book is agreeing with everything God says in His Word, they're in agreement with Scriptures and so forth, then we hang on to that. We keep moving through that. We keep going with it. So he says, test everything. Hold on to what's good because counterfeit teaching and living is to be avoided along with every kind of form of evil. Counterfeit teaching and counterfeit living is to be avoided. We've got to watch out. We need to test things. Don't believe everything we hear. Don't believe everything we see. It doesn't mean it's right. Are we lining it up with God's Word, checking out with Him and saying, hmm, that is correct. That is right. I see it in Scripture. That's correct. And so we have to make sure we're in agreement because there's a lot of counterfeit stuff out there, whether it's people, books, movies, TV shows, whatever. Uh, so many times through the years, people have said, I watched this movie the other day and it had this in it. Uh, is that really what happened? And no, it really didn't happen that way. You know, it really wasn't God's Word. And so we have to be careful. Verse 23, moving on. Uh, he says then toward the end, may God himself, may God himself, the God of peace, that's what we're looking for tonight, sanctify you, set you aside through and through. I mean, just working all through you, working all in you. May God of peace sanctify you. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's just saying his command, what he wants for us is the God of peace. That's given us peace, sanctify us, set aside all of parts of our life, all attitudes and actions, our whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless to do what God wants to do. Uh, he works in us to sanctify us, that is, to set us apart. Sanctify simply means set apart for a special purpose. This podium has a special purpose. It's been set aside to put something on and uh, to read from. This microphone has a special purpose. It's been set aside for something special. All the different things in this room 
Each part has a, a part to do. And so it is with us as a person. We're to be sanctified, set apart for a special purpose, to be used by God. And we get that through the peace that He gives us in our relationship with Jesus. It's real easy. It's real simple. Just we have a relationship with Christ. We do it every day, don't we? Deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Jesus. And as we do that, we're being sanctified. We're being set apart because along the way, every day, in that trip, that journey, He's sanctifying us through and through in all parts of our life, giving us peace through our relationship with Him. It's finally in verse 24. The one who calls you, the one who we hear His voice, He's our shepherd, we're your sheep. The one who calls you is faithful. God said, I'm, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to walk through this with you every single day. And He said, I'll do it. You'll do what? Jesus, verse 23. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. He said, I'll do it. I'm faithful to do it every day. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. He said, I'll do that. I'll keep you blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ until I come back to get you. He said, I'm faithful to do it. And I'll do it. But are we going to follow Him? Are we going to listen to Him? Are we going to let Him do it? Because we can oppose Him. We can put a hand up say, not today, Lord. I'm going to do something else. He can do it. We'll be letting Let's let Jesus just show us what to do this week. Hear His will, and then be obedient to His will. Whatever that may be, let's just do it, because He will do it.